0: been a milestone year in your life. Welcome to the Parable Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Zapchank. And this February, I turn 40. I was excited. The number really doesn't scare me like it may for some. This has and will continue to be a big year in the Zapchank house. I turned 40, Edie turned 13, we have a teenager in the house, Reed is about to be double digits with the big 10, and Eric will be 50 in June. It is a banner year and 2023 has already held some milestones for me. And so I'd love to share some of my parables with you today. My birthday was this month on the 7th. So I wanted to start off with seven things I'm hoping to continue to grow in this year number one is to ask for more help i don't know what it is about me but i just want to be able to prove (laughs) like I can do that. And that kind of goes into another one. It's just really hard for me to ask for help because I just want to say I can do it by myself. Number two is to invest in the friendships that I already have. Not to say that I can never make new friends, but I really want to invest in those friendships. So if somebody asks me out for coffee, or maybe I need to be asking people out to lunch, just spending some time digging deeper into those friendships. Number three is to delight more. And what I mean by that is just seeing the joy and the beauty and little moments. An example of that is I opened up our back window in our bedroom and it is a, a very small little porch. And because of the snow that had recently occurred, the way that it had kind of like looked on the ground, it spelled out the word "hi." And I know that that's not a big deal. It's literally just snow, but I laughed about it. I had to Share it with my son Reed. I thought it was so funny. And I just think, you know, we need to find those little bits of joy in our everyday. Number four is to not feeling the need to prove myself. And I'm going to speak a little bit more into that coming up, but I don't know why I need to prove myself. I think there's been so many things over the course of my life where I have seen that come into play. And again, nobody is asking me to do this, but I just feel this need to be like, let me show you, like I got this. Number five is to be able to rest more. I'm a night owl. I love to stay up late, watch my show. Or scroll Instagram, learn how to remove thin set from cement floors on YouTube, just any of those things. Just trying, obviously, physical rest, but just finding those spaces to rest more mentally, socially, emotionally rest creative rest is trying to really figure that out for myself and I, and I know I'm at 40 I should I should have that figured out but I don't. Number 6 is saying yes to opportunities that bring me joy. My husband who's probably listening to right now he's like what? Saying yes more? <laughs> I think just being discerning about that too. How are there opportunities that bring me joy rather than just like filling my plate with to-dos and checklists? And number seven, continued dependence on God. All of these things are not a checklist. This is just opportunities I really want to be more aware of as I head into my 40th year of life. And I'm going to share it to you here because those who are close to me, the person that's editing this podcast and those friends that are listening. And hey, if you have never even met me, I want you to challenge me on this and be like, hey, Danielle, I don't think you're living up to those seven things of really being open Open to and being aware of this year in your life. And finally, I just wanted to share this message that I wrote. I really enjoyed writing for our women's retreat that we just had this last month. And it has really been a gift for me, something that opened up and kind of spoke into some of these top seven items. So here is this message for you today. I went to a conference the other weekend with a friend and the woman who was speaking there, she really reminded me of someone whose friendship I had in my life. It really felt unresolved and I found myself angry and upset. And I was just so mad (laughs) that I was still dealing with these emotions. And I thought, dang it. I thought that I really worked through this. I've talked it over with my therapist. And in my mind, it was checked off. And I thought, I'm never going to have to deal with this again. And it's not only this instance, but those reoccurring memories and those feelings that bubble up often, they make me feel insecure and question. And then that goes into my mind. And I'm saying, like, God, why? Why am I dealing with this again? And it's just like the enemy that comes for us, the enemy that plays this game with us, whispering the words that we know, we hear all the time, and then we usher them back into our minds because it feels familiar and it must be true, right? I shared this with my family after I got home from my conference and my mom and dad were there. And a couple days later, my mom, she called me and she said, you know, Danielle, if it all went away, if it were somehow all of these things had been made perfect or made whole after you dealt with them, then, Danielle, you wouldn't be dependent on him anymore. It was <sighs> so good, Mom. Thank you. <laughs> and there would be no need for his table in my life, in your life. I wouldn't need to rest. I wouldn't need to feel my feelings, which I have very many feelings. I would fix it and I would move on forgetting what he wants most of me. He desires for me to rest in dependence on him at his table for everything. Not because he wants the power, but because he cares so much. We live in a society that tells us that, for women especially, that we can be all things, that whatever we put our mind to, we can do. We can empower ourselves. We can be the boss babe. All of it is good, but usually it is putting the dependence on what we can do rather than what he can do. And I'm going to say that again, putting the dependence on what we can do rather than what he can do. I was a part of a group that we had at our church the other week, and I think we are so many things to so many people. How do we be a great friend? How do we love our friends and our partners well? How do we not mess up our kids? And how do we succeed in this work-life balance? It's easy to walk away from a church service or maybe a conference wanting, oh, I want this three-step plan that we can point to and say, here, here, if I follow this everything is going to fall into place. But the reality is we are human and there is no three-step plan. There are some practical things, obviously, that we can do for anything, but everything stems back to our dependence on Him at His table. And if we're not resting at His table daily and choosing to build our relationship first and foremost with Him, it is going to feel off kilter. The Last Supper is one of those stories in the Bible that for me, it becomes like wallpaper. Sometimes I feel like I just kind of tune it out because again, I know this, right? I've heard this story time and time again, but in the last few months, this story has become central for me. The Last Supper is in the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is in the New Testament. That is the second half of the Bible. And each of them have very different perspectives of that moment in time. They are Jesus's last words. There was so much that happened at that Last Supper. Betrayal, teaching, humility, love, worship. There was the hope of what was coming in God's kingdom. John's writing is the most detailed about what happened that night as we seek our dependence on him at his table. And there are some key points that stood out to me. In John 13, one through five, and this is from the Voice Bible, it says, Jesus was keenly aware that his hour had come to depart from this world and to return to the Father from beginning to end. Jesus's days were marked by his love for his people. Before Jesus and his disciples gathered for dinner, the adversary filled Judas Iscariot's heart with plans of deceit and betrayal. Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going away to God, he stood up from dinner and he removed his outer garments. He then wrapped himself in a towel, he poured water in a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his towel." I believe that the table is for preparation. It's easy for us to look at this one story in the Bible and think, well, that's really nice. But the beauty of the Bible is that we can see through all of Jesus' life that his days, they were marked with love, not just in this moment, but his whole life before he walked on this earth, preparations were being made long before. Preparations had to be made for this night. Jesus spent three years with these men and women. And yes, there were women in the upper room that night too. It did not look like that picture painting where all of them are seated men long at a table. (laughs) They were building relationships. There was confidence and trust. And yes, of course, God, he could have sent Jesus day one and showcased the plan because he could have done that, but he didn't. He sent a baby. He grew up and he had a public ministry for just three years loving these people, his people. And this night was to prepare them for what was to come before he went to his death. So how has God prepared your table? Did he fill it with fast food and say, here, here's what you wanted. I got to go. Or were you the guest that maybe brought your own food because you're like, you know what? I like it a certain way. I could probably make all of this a little bit better? When the cancer came, did he heal it immediately? When the addiction reared its ugly head, did he make it magically go away? When your relationship didn't look picture perfect, where was he? When the answers didn't come, was he sitting by your side? Our hearts need to be prepared by Him so we can humbly sit at His table. Otherwise, if we just take it and run, the real preparation of our hearts is never going to happen because we are not waiting in dependence on Him. And that's tough. It's difficult to be in preparation because it's uncomfortable. It is uneasy. It is messy. It is not what we wanted. And the enemy is at the table. It says in verse two, before Jesus and his disciples gathered for dinner, the adversary filled Judas Iscariot's heart with plans of deceit and betrayal. And the enemy's there. He's just chatting your ear off using all the butter. And he's just kind of talking with an open mouth, just kind of spewing out little bits of food all over your plate. But Jesus knew that there was an unwelcome guest. He knew what was next for himself. And yet, Jesus is preparing all of your favorite foods, the most flavorful meal that sustains and endures. He was preparing everything because he loved us, even in our betrayal. Have you taken the time to see how God has been preparing you? The table brings preparation so we can humble ourselves and build our dependence on him. Number two, the table brings humility. Jesus, he then got up from the prepared table and he begins to wash everyone's feet. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to wash your feet of your neighbor or the person in your house. (laughs) Jesus stood up from dinner and removed his outer garments. He then wrapped himself in a towel and he poured water in a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his towel. This type of activity, this was reserved for the servants, not the host. And I also look at this is that Jesus, he was he was about to go to the cross. A friend was about to betray him, and yet he still humbled himself, washing everyone's dirty, callous, nasty feet. What would it look like in that moment if you imagine yourselves there? You imagine yourself as the betrayer. How does that feel for you? I know for myself, initially, I do not like it. (laughs) I don't want to be that person. That was certainly not meant for me because I'm not as bad. I'm a good person, right? But the table, it brings humility for us because even in our brokenness and our betrayal, God still, he still willingly and lovingly washes away the dirt and the grime in between our toes. He lowers himself and he humbles himself as a servant so he can serve us to imagine yourself in that moment because that is each one of us. We are human and there's going to be betrayal on our part. And when we sit in that and we feel that, the humility allows us to build dependence on Jesus it says in the middle of this chapter that Jesus was becoming visibly distressed. And you could see his emotions and feelings. And I love the fact that he, Jesus, he did not hide that. He wasn't like this macho guy or neglecting his emotions or hiding them from his friends and his community altogether. And I would say that in that moment, he was afraid that out of our humility, we don't have to wallow in it because you know what? The table is a promise. And that night is the precipice of so many promises. The table is a promise. And the first promise is in chapter 13, 25 through 26. It says, I have spoken these words while I am here with you, that the Father is sending a great helper, the Holy Spirit, in my name to teach you everything and to remind you of all I have said to you. It's so comforting that when we prepare our hearts and we humble ourselves at the table, Jesus provides us with the promise of, I got you, that we are going to walk through this journey of life and he is going to walk alongside of us hand in hand. The Holy Spirit will be a helper saying, you know what? You don't have to do it all. I'm going to teach you everything. You don't have to know it all to remind you of all I have said to you, all that Jesus has said, the truth of God, the Bible, using people that are going to walk alongside us, speaking truth to us. We don't have to be fearful because the Holy Spirit is in our life. And the Holy Spirit allows us to have those fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love. We don't have to try to make those up on our own because the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You are not alone. I'm going to give you these gifts. The second promise is that He said, I will go away, but I will also return to be with you. That's in John 14, 28. Jesus is hours away from his death and he, obviously, he did not deserve that. And even still, he promised that he was coming back to us. So again, a plan is set into motion to prepare a table for us in the future so that one day we can be in heaven with him at his most awesome table. Finally, the table is in action. Jesus said in John fourteen thirty one to demonstrate to the cosmos my love for the Father, I will do just as he commands. Stand up. It is time for us to leave this place. After we have prepared, we have gotten humble, we've remembered his promises and no, it is never going to be perfect. Like you're just gonna always get this. Maybe, maybe sometimes, but the reality is we're human, right? And because we are growing, it is a cyclical process. So what is your next step? This doesn't have to be huge. It is more beneficial that we have one small step at a time. I remember my husband, Eric, showed me this visual of two different ladders. One had these giant rungs that you had to get to, and it was really hard to even get to the first rung. But the other ladder had all these tiny rungs, steps that you could take. And it was just, it seemed much easier because it's one step at a time. I can imagine the weight of what Jesus and his friends were feeling as they were getting up from that table. What is to come? Because it it isn't going to get any easier. Habits, thoughts, and patterns have to be broken in order for us to be restored. So what does that look like in real life? Well, our family is in the middle of updating our basement. And I have seen so many women on Instagram or HGTV, thank you, Chip and Jojo, just updating their homes using power tools. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And since I'm 40 now, I feel like I can do anything. And I told my husband, Eric, I want to do this, the whole basement, all by myself. I want to prove to myself that I can. And I thought, oh dear, Danielle. (laughs) Well, there is nothing wrong with trying something new. It was the proving that I was like, what is that about? Who am I even proving this to? Again, it's this fight for my own self, my own independence, saying, look at me. I did not need anyone to accomplish this. That can be a lonely place. For eight years, I led our women's ministry almost all by myself because I don't want to burden anyone. I don't want to bother anyone. I knew what these women had in their daily lives. So I just didn't want to add to their plate. And honestly, I knew that if I did it by myself, (laughs) I could just like do it in my own way. I like things done a certain way. And that is a tough pill to swallow because I need to humble myself. However, within the last three and a half years, that has changed. And in no way has it ever been perfect. But Oh, gosh, it's so good to have a team of women to help. And it's still a fight for me to think, should I offer a seat at the table? Because asking for help and building up community is good. And it takes a lot of practice. We're never going to get it right. But when we don't offer people a seat at our table or ask for help, you don't know how it could benefit or bless somebody else. The basement is still in process. Our kids are like, do you think we'll be done by the end of March? "Eh, I don't think so. But you know who's thriving down there as we went through the demolition process is my nine-year-old son. He is working his little heart out and he likes it. And it makes me think, gosh, Danielle, how many times have I let my own independence affect others growing and exploring their gifts? And so that's just one way that I am learning to sit at the table. So how do we go forward standing up from the table today? That's going to look different for each one of us. And maybe that is more of your own personal faith growth. Maybe it's digging into journaling. Maybe it is building your relationship with Him or understanding your Bible better. There's so many different options. Maybe it's just building into community, like friendship, like I talked about before. One next step is just to be aware of not giving the enemy a seat at your table because he's no joke. And the stories and the things that we tell ourselves over and over in our head, that is definitely him. I heard a woman say the other week that I'm just not good at being friends with other women. And then after a while, she realized that wasn't true. She had quality relationships with other women and noticed that the enemy is constantly trying to get in and poke holes at her self-confidence and and that insecurity. She gave him a seat at her table. I never want to forget that for many of us, we go to church or we're a part of small groups because that's what our parents did. Or that's what as an adult, we think, oh, that's what I have to do in my life. Jesus, he wants to have a relationship with you, not a religion. He wants to sit at the table with you through it all. And He is saying, you don't have to do this life alone. It's okay to be dependent on me. So maybe your next step is saying, I really wanna follow Jesus and believe he loved me in all of my flaws that he chose to die for me. He's my savior and because of that, I get to have a seat at his table in heaven one day. If that's you, it's just talking to him about that. It's just easy. It's just praying that in your head. My desire is that you go forward today not fixed, but as someone who has a little bit more confidence, rest and connection in coming to Jesus's table and extending that to others as you stand up knowing that you are always welcome to rest at his table and depend on him. Thank you so much for just sticking with me today and hearing what some of my milestone moments and things that I've been learning as I am in my 40s now. To connect with me or maybe you have any questions, simply visit daniellezapchank.com or you can find me over on Instagram or Facebook. In the show notes today, I've also added my guided reflection that goes along with this message that you are welcome to download and walk through that on your own time. And one other reflection question for you to ponder this week is, what is one small step you feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging you toward. You never know. Maybe this is gonna be your milestone that you look back on in the future. Thank you so much for listening. This is our 79th episode. I cannot even believe it. And as a gift for me in my 40th year, if you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with a friend, maybe a coworker, somebody that you know at church, that is how I found out about some of my most favorite podcasts is just by simply sharing them with a friend. And thanks so much to my technical producer of a husband, Eric, for editing this podcast. That is going to do it for today. I'm so grateful that you took the time to spend it with me. Remember, your parable showcases all the milestones God has brought you through. We'll see you back again next week on the Parable Podcast.